Good morning and welcome to worship. Merry Christmas. We're delighted that you are here. It is the third Sunday of Advent, and that means that we light the pink candle. Pink is the color of joy. It is the liturgical color of joy, and we light that together this morning.
cry today that we would just find ourselves immersed in the worship of you today. And so, Father, meet us here in this place on this day at this time this morning. We're grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're delighted that you are here. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say good morning and Merry Christmas? Amen. What a joy to see you here. We are so glad to be a part of of a worship time together today on this third Sunday of Advent, and it's just a great time to have some sweet fellowship and just to say hello to one another. If you are new with us today, I hope you have a worship guide. Would you find that third panel and uh, fill the information that's called for there? Just fill it out, and then when the offering plate is passed a little bit later in our service, drop that in there so that we might get a chance to know you a little bit better. If we can pray for you, would you turn that connection card over and fill out any information that you would like us to pray about? We pray every Tuesday at 1.30 here at First Baptist Church. Our staff does, and it is a great joy, and it is a great honor to pray for you as we do that as well. So thankful that we are thankful that you are here Guests, when we are done with our service today, would you meet our pastor and his wife in the foyer today so that we might give you a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship, and they can just say hello and shake your hand and might even hug your neck today because it is the Christmas season. Amen? That's what we do. It is a great day to be at First Baptist Church. It is a day of in-gathering. It is the day that we collect our offering for our Lottie Moon offering, and it is also the day that we gather our gifts to give those to our kids at the, the mission uh, house down the street. And so we're grateful for that, the Main Street Mission, and so these gifts will go to them. So here's what we're going to do. If you have not already given your gift, when we sing now in just a moment, if you would rise from your seat and just place your gift down here, we can fill up the floor. We need to keep the side rails open because we, we need to go sit down when we're done. Amen? So just give us a place where we can do that, and it would be a great thing. So as we worship together, would you stand to your feet and bring your gifts forward for our in-gathering and Lottie Moon, and we will worship together.
Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Bow with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come in this special time of year, Lord, that we celebrate the gift of your birth of your son, Jesus, Lord, and the special meaning that that has for each one of us. Lord, we just take this opportunity to give back to you in the form of our tithes and offerings and gifts, Lord. And we just uh, thank you for the special meaning of the birth of your son, Jesus, and the, the true meaning of eternal hope of eternal life that that gives each one of us. Lord, as we go out through this season, just ask that you instill in us a piece of you so that we can be a light for you during this season and give that same seed of hope to those in need. Lord, and for these gifts that have been presented on this altar this morning, that they also plant a seed of hope and, and light in each one of these children's hearts, that they'll have a yearning for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise Him is going to lead us in worship together today as we take up our offering. Come, let us worship the King. Come, let us worship the King. Come, all ye faithful and sing. He's the Son of God, our Savior. Behold His majesty. The wonder we've been shown His infant in the manger Has come from heaven's throne Once He reigned in splendor Glory shining bright Now He floods our darkness With everlasting light Come, let us worship the King Faithful and sing. He's the Son of God, our Savior. Behold His majesty. Oh, come, let us worship the King. Come, thou with the shepherds. Behold Him. such a humble place. Come now like the wise men, bring him gifts of praise. Though we are unworthy, this is heaven's grace. Come give him glory. Come and adore. 
Father, that's our joy today that we worship you. And Father, we are grateful that on a morning Jesus was born, when, the, when he was born, our lives were changed. And so, Father, we're grateful for that. So, Father, as Kim comes and sings for us now, would you just speak to our hearts, give us ears to hear, and a receptive heart to hear you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
There's no need to fear when you're being obedient to God. It's been about three months since I delivered the message to Mary that she would give birth to the Son of God. And almost immediately after receiving that message, Mary traveled to go see her relative, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been the example that I had given Mary that God can do the impossible. I told Mary that Elizabeth was going to have a baby in her old age, and that would be proof enough that God could do what he said he would do in Mary's life as well. Mary traveled to go to be with Elizabeth, and I went into the realm of the unseen to watch what would happen. It was amazing to watch the exchange that God orchestrated between those two ladies Mary had no sooner walked into Elizabeth and Zechariah's home and offered them a greeting when the baby within Elizabeth's womb leaped and she was suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, she knew what was happening in Mary's life, even though Mary was the only one who knew it until then. Elizabeth blessed Mary. And that blessing greatly encouraged Mary, and she burst forth in a psalm of praise to Almighty God. It was wonderful to watch them. It's been great to see Mary encouraged over the last three months as she's remained with Elizabeth and Zechariah. But earlier this week, Mary arrived back in Nazareth with a baby bump to reveal the news to her parents her community, and of course, Joseph. As I watched that scene unfold with those parents and Joseph, I realized that the message that I must proclaim is very important. And I bowed my head and I prayed for them. Joseph? 
Joseph. Joseph. An angel told you this, that you would bear the Son of God, Mary. Elizabeth had a baby, even in her old age. Elizabeth has a husband. Women have been put to death for this. They could stone you in the street. Do you understand? I've broken no vow. Oh, you have broken every vow, Mary. Was it one of her soldiers? Was it? I have told the truth. Whether you believe is your choice, not mine. Let me speak. Please. Let me speak. You were a woman of great virtue. I have lived my life seeking honor. Honor. Mary, so how am I to answer this? If I claim this child is mine, I will be lying. I will have broken a law laid down by God. I would never ask you to lie. If I say this child is not mine, they will ask what I want to do. And if I accuse you, The air in that room was tense. Mary's parents were one thing, but Joseph was another. Mary and Joseph are betrothed to be married, which means in this last year of their betrothal, they are treated as husband and wife, even though they don't live together. And any unfaithfulness on either part is considered to be adultery. I knew the news would be very difficult for Joseph, and I was right. He has been very disturbed, angry in some ways, in despair, confused, heartbroken. But I know that Joseph will do the right thing. 
Because Joseph will follow the will of God because Joseph is a righteous man. One of the greatest things that God can say about a human being is that that human being is righteous. Because to be righteous means you walk with God. You obey God. You bless God with your life. God called Noah righteous. He looked over the entire world to find just one person who could follow his will. And God found Noah. Noah was a righteous man who was called to an amazing task. A task to build an ark to prepare for a flood when it had never flooded before. And even though he would face intense mockery and criticism from everyone around him. But Noah was faithful to God. Noah built the ark and Noah had no fear. And here once again, God is calling another man to do an impossible task in the face of much criticism and mockery. But Joseph will be faithful because Joseph is righteous. Does that mean Joseph is perfect? Of course not. Noah wasn't perfect. Neither was David or Job or any of the other people throughout history that God has said were righteous. But all of those people followed God and walked with him. The same is true of Mary. Mary is not perfect. Mary is not sinless, but she is righteous. And God has chosen Mary and Joseph for this particular call because they will obey. He knows them. He knows them at the heart level, and he knows they will be obedient. Joseph's righteousness, though, has placed him in an awkward predicament of double trouble. Because of his moral standards, he can't lie and say that the baby is his, nor can he go through with the marriage to Mary because of her supposed unfaithfulness. But at the same time, because he is so good and so loving and so kind, he can't bear the thought of shaming Mary publicly or especially allowing her to go through a trial that may result in her being stoned to death. So as Joseph has pondered this issue, he initially came to the conclusion that he would just divorce Mary quietly. That would save her any kind of trial, that would save her a little bit of face, and it would certainly save him some face with the people, but it would extend grace and mercy to Mary. But you see, God has far more in mind for Joseph than just extending grace and mercy to a woman that he loves. And that's where I came in. Last night, as Joseph prepared to go to bed, he was dealing with this issue very greatly. He was replaying their whole encounter the moment he found out, the moment he saw Mary's baby bump, the moment he knew the reality of what was happening, the moment everything came crashing down. He replayed every word that was said, and he weighed the pros and the cons of his various issues And then he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. He desperately needed a word from God. And finally, he fell asleep praying. Have you ever fallen asleep praying? 
desperate for a word from God, longing to hear him give you the divine direction you need? Well, the good thing is, answers always come to the ones who have willing and waiting hearts. And the word came to Joseph. When Joseph was good and asleep, I appeared to him in a dream. I chose that medium for a couple of reasons. One is after my sudden appearance to Mary kind of freaked her out a little bit and caused her some confusion about the message that I was delivering, I decided I needed to take a more subtle approach with Joseph. I also decided that the poor chap had been through enough trauma for one week that the last thing he needed was an angel showing up and scaring the living daylights out of him. But it turns out that a dream is a perfect medium anyway. Because you see, for a Jew, a dream is a sign of the favor of God. And since that's exactly what this is, the dream was perfect. In the dream, I said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The message from the Almighty to Joseph was twofold. The first command was to marry Mary. Joseph didn't need to have any fear in Mary and Mary because what Mary has told him is absolutely the truth. She is still chaste and pure. She has not been with another man. What is in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph should marry Mary. Now, this particular part of the command affirms Mary, but it also challenges Joseph because Joseph is going to have to go through with putting himself in the place of someone who will probably be mocked, someone who will be gossiped about, someone who for the next rest of his life even will be looked down upon. But nevertheless, Joseph, I believe, will be in fact true to the call of God because Joseph is learning there's no need to fear when you are being obedient to God. The second part of the message to Joseph is that he will name the child Jesus. Whereas the first message challenges Joseph, this one honors him. For just as any Jewish dad would have the opportunity to name his son, Joseph will be given that honor by Almighty God. When the baby is delivered, Joseph will be the one to speak his name and say, he shall be called Yeshua, Jesus. What a great honor for Joseph. But you know, you would think that when the Almighty was choosing a name for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he would come up with a more impressive name than Jesus. Maybe a name that was even unpronounceable, a name that was just a combination of all the 23 Hebrew letters together into some crazy kind of name. But instead, the Almighty chose Jesus, Yeshua. That name is as common among the Jewish people as John or Simon or, for that matter, Joseph and Mary. The fact that God chose a 
common name is a way of communicating to the people that Jesus will be for the common Joe. He's reachable. He's touchable. He's interested. But just because the name is simple, don't think that it is insignificant, for it has a great deal of significance behind it, both historically and spiritually for the people of God. You see, throughout the history of Israel, at least three different people have had names which were derivatives of that name Jesus, all of them pointing toward Jesus and his role. We had Joshua, the successor of Moses. You had Jeshua, the high priest in the days of the return from the exile. And you had Hosea, the prophet. Joshua was a conqueror. Joshua led the people of God to push out the enemies of the people out of the promised land to secure the promised land for the people of God. Well, like Joshua, Jesus will push out the enemies of the people of God, sin, death, and hell, and will secure the promised land of heaven for them. The next person was Jeshua, a high priest in the days of the return from Babylon. Jeshua, along with Zerubbabel, helped reestablish the religious and civil uh, duties of the people of God in Jerusalem. He helped them to worship once again, and he stood and defended against accusations that Satan had cast. Like Like Jeshua, Jesus, too, will stand, receive the accusations of Satan about the people of God. He will take them upon himself, but then he will perform a great sacrifice that will take all of those accusations upon himself when he dies for the sins of the world. The prophet Hosea is known as the prophet of grace and salvation. Hosea gave everything he had in order to win back, to buy back Gomer from slavery. And just as Hosea gave all he had, So Jesus will give everything he has to buy back the people of God from sin. This name has great historical and spiritual significance for the people of God. But it is also, in one word, a dramatic summary of everything that has happened from the beginning of time until future time of God's work on behalf of his people, every act of deliverance, every act of protection, every act of salvation is summed up in that word Jesus. Because you see, friends, the word Jesus is more than just a name. It is a promise because it means I will save. God will save his people through Jesus This one is the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world. And he will save God's people from their most formidable enemy, which is sin. Throughout the history of time, sin has been a great difficulty for people. It has increased exponentially. It has caused people to do unimaginable things. And even when people realize its devastating effects and say, I will turn from that sin and I will not do it anymore, they are powerless on their own. Inevitably, they turn right back to it and find themselves maybe even deeper in it. But all that can end with Jesus. 
Because you see, Jesus is going to come and he is going to remove the power of sin. He will eventually move the presence of sin and he will eventually erase away the consequences of sin all because of what he does. Oh, there's much more to come in the plan of God for salvation history in the future. But what we are seeing happen now is the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. For the prophet Isaiah had said the virgin would be with child and would give birth to a son. And they would call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Jesus, God is coming to be with us to save the world of their sins. Oh, it's amazing news. And I know the news brought great comfort and encouragement to Joseph. So with my message of Mary, Mary, and name the baby delivered, I let Joseph sleep. And his sleep was sweet after receiving that good news. He woke up this morning refreshed, at peace, ready to serve the Lord. And I know that he will do it because he's already started on the path of obedience. Oh, sure, people will gossip. Some people may not even believe. In fact, 2,000 years from now, people may not believe. But Joseph believes, and Mary believes, and they will stick together as a couple knowing that there's no need to fear if you're being obedient to God. Come let us adore the one who came for us. 
There's glory in the highest. Praise that name of Jesus, our King has come. Oh, come, let us adore him, for he alone is worthy. Our King has come, our King has come. Oh, give him all the glory, for he alone is worthy. Our King has come. Our King has come. Oh, come all ye faithful, bow before our Savior. Come, let us adore the one who came for us. Yes, glory in the highest. Praise that name of Jesus, our King has come. Yes, oh, come all ye faithful, bow before our Savior. Come, let us adore the one who came for us. Yes, glory in the highest, praise that name of Jesus, our King has come. Let's sing, oh, come, let us adore him. There is no need to fear when you're being obedient to God. It is Matthew in his gospel that gives us a glimpse into the life of Joseph. In the gospel of Luke, the more traditional story of Christmas, uh, Luke is pretty much a secondary character. You could dress up any guy and stick him beside Mary and he'll work. He's kind of that stepdad that just fades into the background. In fact, my dramatic monologue series for Joseph is called The Forgotten Father of Christmas. But in Matthew, we get a picture of who Joseph is. This righteous man is very important for the unfolding of the plan of God on earth. And Matthew helps us to see that. Uh, when, while Matthew never speaks in the book of Matthew, he does act. And his actions are always at the command of God, usually through the messenger of God. And the command is always to do something very bold. In Matthew 1, as we saw in the dramatic monologue, Joseph is told to not be afraid to go along with this amazing plan of God and to marry Mary and to name the baby Jesus. 
And in Matthew 1.24, we read of Joseph's obedience. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. It was immediate, immediate obedience to the plan and the call of God. Now, this obedience wasn't easy for Joseph. Uh, we sometimes think these Bible people were kind of superhuman and that they never struggled with a call placed upon them. They just kind of went along with, okay, God, I'll do whatever you say. And, you know, these people had to face great circumstances as well. Following God was not difficult, was not easy for them. Now, you might say, now, Stuart, ain't no angel ever appeared to me. And if an angel did appear to me, I'd probably find it easy to be obeyed to God. Well, here's the thing. You had never been asked to give birth to the Son of God or married a girl who's going to give birth to the Son of God. So stop your complaining because you're never going to be asked to do something that significant. So really, our obeying God should be a little easier than it was for them. But even with the angelic appearance to Mary and Joseph... Being obedient to God was not easy. Uh, Joseph was welcoming into his life ridicule and, and all kinds of heartache and scorn from the townspeople, perhaps even his own family. But that didn't matter because even though obedience to God was difficult, it was the right thing to do. And Joseph was righteous. For some reason, people think that when you follow God, everything's going to be sunshine and daisies for you. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the path that God calls you to is the most difficult task. Sometimes what God calls you to do is hard, but always what God calls you to do is best. The people would think what they thought, they would say what they said. As people talk about a situation, usually three things happen. There's either the truth that spread, the exaggerated truth that spread, or lies that are spread. And the people were going to say what they said. Joseph couldn't control the narrative. He just kind of had to go with it. But whether it was the truth or lies or something in between, Joseph and Mary were going to be faithful to God. Therefore, Joseph took his beloved wife, Mary, to be his wife, to be his aunt, to honor. And, and he knew she, would be, she was righteous and chaste. And they were going to follow the Lord. And he would be the stepfather to Jesus. And that fact alone speaks of Joseph's godliness. For surely God the Father would not have chosen someone who wasn't righteous to raise his own son on earth. He chose somebody who would walk with God so that Jesus would learn that as well. In this initial call, we watch as Joseph goes from kind of despondency over the call and the news about Mary to total and complete affirmation and commitment to the call that's been placed now upon him. But God wasn't through with Joseph. In Matthew's narrative, he doesn't slip back into the shadows and just play a supporting role. No, he's right there front and center leading his family according to the plan of God. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and following, Jesus has been born. The Magi have visited. It's probably a couple of years after Jesus has been born. And the Lord himself here appears to Joseph and appears to him in a dream. And he commands Joseph to take his wife and child and to flee to Egypt to escape the murderous rampage of King Herod. And so, in Matthew 2, 13, we read, so he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Again, immediate obedience to the call of God. 
Then later in Matthew chapter 2, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, tells him to return to Israel because things are now safe. So as has been his pattern, in Matthew 2, 21, we read, So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Again, immediate obedience to the bold call of God. But he wasn't done yet. The angel appears again to Joseph in a dream, encouraging him now to lead his family all the way back to Nazareth in Galilee. So, of course, in verse 23 we read, And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Again, for the fourth time we see immediate obedience to the bold call of God. How could Joseph do it? How could he not be afraid? Because Joseph had learned there is no need to fear when you are being obedient to God. Where are you in following God? Are you staying over in the realm of fear, not knowing what to do, wondering where to go, wondering what the next step is? Can I offer you some encouragement? Divine guidance always comes to the one who has a willing and a waiting heart. If you're seeking the Lord in prayer, the answer is going to come. It may not come through an angelic visit in a dream, but it will come through his word. It'll come through the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. It may even come through a fellow believer speaking God's truth into your life. But if you're seeking a word from the Lord, it will come. And it will give you the courage you need to make the next step in what God's calling you to do. There's no need to fear when you are obeying God. This morning, the challenge for all of us is to obey God's call on our life. I don't know what that call is for you. It may be for you to seek the Lord in salvation. Because you see, the only way that you can experience the Lord guiding the rest of your life is if you have Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior. And so today, I want to give you that opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time. And when you do that, God does something amazing in your life. The first step to get there is to admit that you are a sinner, to admit that, you, that you've messed up, that you need Jesus to come and to forgive you of your sins. And then you believe that Jesus died on the cross. He took that sin debt upon himself. He took all those accusations upon himself And he offers forgiveness to you. But you see, he doesn't just apply it to everybody. Just here you go. You don't have to do anything. No, we have to receive the gift that has been freely offered and paid for. And so if you want to be saved today, if you want to be set free of that sin and you want to live for God, then you must receive the gift of salvation that he's given. Repent of your sin and receive that gift. And then here's the cool thing that happens. When you trust Jesus Christ for your salvation and he forgives you of your sin, he declares you righteous. He declares you righteous. And the greatest statement that can be said of a human being by Almighty God is that they are righteous. When God looks at you then, after you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he sees Christ. He sees you forgiven. He sees you clean and he guides you in your life. Is that what you want in your life? 
Is that what you need in your life? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I pray that today will be the day. In a few moments when we stand and sing a song of invitation, I'd encourage you to come forward and say, Pastor, I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. I'm repenting of my sin and turning toward him. And we'll be so excited to welcome you into the family of God, to welcome you even into our church family, and to then talk with you about the next step, which is baptism, and showing that you follow Christ with your heart. There may be something else that God's calling you to do, and you're a little fearful of making that step. But can I encourage you to step out today? Whatever God's calling you to do, have the courage to say yes to God because there is no reason to fear when you are being obedient to what God is calling you to do. May we pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, in this moment, help us to be obedient to the call that you've placed upon our lives. Lord, help us to trust you to obey you, and to walk with you. Lord, thank you. Help us to be obedient to follow your will today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.